On today's Pedone, my take, the Cleveland Indians, they're in a little bit of trouble. We're going to talk about the Mickey Callaway tribe kerfluffle that's going on. We got to get into all that, as well as Francisco Lindor hates being called Frankie. Do you like your name? Do you have a nickname that people call you that you can't stand? We get into that. The Cavs are back. Is that a good thing? We watch the Cavs with you guys tonight. Watt Watch is over. Some other offseason targets for us to look at. What's trending outside of the world of sports? We're talking more NBA top shot. This time with Jack Settleman of Snapback Sports. That's going to be a lot of fun. He owns a $50,000 LeBron dunk moment. We're going to talk about that. He's going to talk me through what it was like to make that purchase of a virtual sports card. Give you my takes on all the trends around the world of sports. But first, a big announcement that we told you guys about last week. It's here to stay. Padone My Take has merch now. That's right. I teamed up with the Big Play Store for an exclusive Padone My Take logo t-shirt. The Big Play Store has a ton of awesome Cleveland designs like retro brown shirts and the brand new Sexland t-shirt to rep our Cleveland Cavaliers. Visit the Big Play Store today by going to bigplay.com and selecting the store button at the top of the page. While you browse all the great designs that they have at the Big Play Shop, make sure to snag that Padone My Take logo shirt. Even if you don't though, use promo code Padone for 15% off your entire purchase. That's my last name, Padone, at checkout for 15% off your brand new t-shirt with the Big Play Store. Without further ado, let's do it. What's happening, everybody? Padone My Take, streaming live on BigPlay.com, Periscope, Facebook, YouTube, wherever you're joining us. As always, on demand, Apple Pods and Spotify for free. Go subscribe on there. We thank you for watching the show. My name is Nick Padone, hanging out with you guys for the next hour or so. What a packed show that we have to get in here today. Jack Settleman, CEO, Snapback Sports, owner of a $50,000 LeBron James dunk on NBA Top Shots. He's going to join us at around 8.15, 8.20. This Mickey uh, Mickey Calloway situation, though, huh? Might as well start right at the top. That unraveled on the Cleveland baseball team today. Seemed like the whole thing was over. You know, the report came out. Former Cleveland Indians pitching coach was also spent time with the Mets. He's been around the whole MLB, man. Report came out, inappropriate stuff, sexual harassment in the workplace. Obviously, the LA Angels, where he works now, put him on administrative leave. He's not working right now. And then the whole thing unravels on the Indians and the Mets today. According to The Athletic, the Indians brass, whether it be Antonetti, Chernoff, Francona, knew about this behavior, and it seems like it was a little bit of a cover-up. How do you feel about this? Uh, do you want the Indians to clear house? Because I feel like that's where the at the point that we're at now in this. There's an MLB investigation that's been launched. 
Listen, I feel like there, there's a few things that could come out of this. Obviously, the MLB isn't going to make all three, you know, Francona, Chernoff, Antonetti. They're not all going to have to step down. That's just not how the MLB operates. Even if they find them guilty, it'll be a fine or a loss of, a loss of draft picks. It won't be anything that significant. As sad as that is, that's just how the MLB and really that's just how sports kind of operate. Where are you though? Tweet the show at Padone My Take. Tweet me at Nick Padone 12. The Indians look bad right now. This is exactly Urban Meyer OSU knowing about that, the Urban Meyer nose gate. That's the same situation. It's bad. The tribe look exactly like the Washington football team in the sense of this horrific thing happened. There's people in the in the you know room that know about it, and it was all swept under the rug. I think the Indians should probably just call it here. They should probably clean house after this. I know the MLB is investigating, maybe a fine, worse the suspension, you know, for for the three clean house. It's time. After the Lindor trade, a lot of people admittedly lost interest in the Cleveland Indians. They trade away several franchise players leading up to that, obviously Lindor being the biggest. Carlos Carrasco, who was a fan favorite, headed to the Mets with him. But even in years prior, I mean, the Mike Clevenger to the Padres, Trevor Bauer to the Cincinnati Reds, now with Los Angeles Dodgers, Corey Kluber was traded. Like the whole 2016 vibe of this team being magical and so much fun, that's all gone. So we're going in with the new regime already. We're changing the team name at the end of next season. With that, obviously the script Indians is not going to be on the front with the new name. So there's going to be new players, a new name, new uniform, start fresh, start anew. Terry Francona has the perfect out in this situation. And, and again, I hate like saying that like, oh, it's the perfect out because he shouldn't be in this situation. Of course, he should have reported this when he learned of it. He has the Urban Meyer out with the with the health concerns. That's going to be the route that that goes, whether it's this year or next and honestly, that's probably was going to be the end of Tito anyways, right? We know he's had some health issues. Obviously, we're hoping for the best for him. He's walking around, crutching around, you know, Arizona because of the staph infection in his foot. The Indians have some young, promising players that they got in return from the Lindor trade. This Andreas Jimenez looks really good. Shortstop prospect that's back. Fire everybody. Take the year off and reload moving forward listen we used to have so much fun just ragging on the indians division you know al it's a it, it was a joke it was a joke now the chicago white Sox are really good like world series favorites to come out of the al good it's gonna be a tough sledding for the tribe to get back in the playoffs this season with no lindor also is this pitching staff as good as we think it is Again, as always, your thoughts on Twitter at Padone My Take. Tweet me at Nick Padone 12. I don't know that I have the confidence beyond Shane Bieber. The rest of these guys are pretty young. Zach Plesak, this will only be his second full year. Same with Aaron Savali. Tristan McKenzie, this will be his first full year if memory serves. There's a lot of young arms that could, and obviously the Indians are a pitching factory. I'm not doubting that. 
But I'm seeing if they, if they get shelled a few nights of the week, it's going to get annoying quick. People are going to be frustrated, myself included. Quite frankly, I'm not sure how much Cleveland baseball will be talking moving, you know, through this spring into the summer. We got Browns. Year the league year opens in less than 2 weeks now. The 17th is when the league year opens. I don't know how much Cleveland baseball that we're going to be talking, especially after this bombshell report that comes out via The Athletic about the Mickey Calloway scandal being just swept under the rug by the tribe. And then you have, you know, Terry Francona's son weighing in on Twitter, just dragging his own father through the mud. It's going to be tough to talk tribe. It's going to be tough to watch. It's going to be tough to follow. My hopes are high. I said it on Big Play Reflog. I've said it on here. I like the Eddie Rosario move. Outside of that, though, not sure what there is to watch for. In other Indians news, we're not going to beat this negative sad drum all night. Let's kind of let's kind of get a little lighthearted here. Frankie Lindor hated being called Frankie. He said people in Cleveland were lazy for calling him that and that his name was Francisco prefers to be called Francisco. Do you care? Tweet the show at Padone My Take. Tweet me at Nick Padone 12. I could honestly say in my heart of hearts, all Francisco Lindor, I'm going to do my best now, you know, to make note of this. All Francisco Lindor had to do was just say, I like being called Francisco. Stop calling me Frankie. So me personally, I'm, I'm a pretty good example of this, right? Because my real name, believe it or not, is Nicholas. I go by Nick, but that I, I do have a full name. My family actually exclusively calls me Nicholas. And then anybody in my friend group, my peers, people I work with, obviously people for this company in big play, they call me Nick. That's what I prefer to be called. I sign my name, Nick. I really only go by Nicholas at home. My girlfriend, Cam, calls me Nick. So that doesn't bother me. But if people eventually, you know, say, you know, my friends or my employer calls me Nicholas, that wouldn't bother me that much. Like, Nick doesn't bother me. Nicholas doesn't bother me. Do you care? Do you have a nickname? I want to hear from some people on this. Drop a comment on the Periscope stream. Tweet the show at Padome My Take. I don't mind at all. I'm not angry. I'm not annoyed by it. I will say this, though. As it pertains to Francisco Lindor, this is kind of the second jab, right? Obviously, the first being that, like, you know, Cleveland was all great in memories. I would have loved to be back. Loved the fan base there. But they didn't have the money and kind of took a shot at ownership. Now he takes a little bit of a shot at the fans, at the media in Cleveland, which is never a good thing to do on your way out, and starts this name game thing. I hope we don't have a situation with Francisco Lindor like we have with Kyrie Irving. Obviously, with Kyrie Irving, things ended bitter. It ended as a result of a trade in Cleveland, you know, where Kyrie Irving had to demand his way out of the city and, and threatened to do so with knee surgery. Frankie Lindor was a Francisco Lindor was a lot more professional, you know, about it. He didn't get the payday that he was looking for, and he was traded. There was never, you know, throwing his hand on the table moment. There was no 
ugly trade demand. There was nothing. You know, it was all kumbaya until the end when he was traded, posted the farewell video. Don't drag the city through the mud, man. You can't appease everybody. You're not going to appease the New York media no matter what you do. They will find a negative way to swing things. The sure way to make sure that they're not going to approve of you, Francisco, is to drag your former city through the mud. Because Cleveland fans, even though the Indians fans have kind of dwindled over the years, they're a very passionate bunch. And that's not kind of an evil in Cleveland that you want to face. Don't do it. We don't. We shouldn't have a Kyrie Irving toxic relationship with Francisco Lindor because it didn't end badly. We made a World Series with the guy. Like, stop it. Cut it out. The guy took us to places as a fan base that we had never expected to go in 2016. Things didn't end poorly with Lindor like it did with Kyrie, I really, really, really hope someone in his camp, whether it's a publicist, whether it's a close friend, maybe it's a media member that maybe followed him out there that covers his career closely, says, hey, Francisco, let's cut it out with the Cleveland stuff, man. You're out of there. Let's talk about your new team. You're going to get a payday. Make the most of it. That's where I'm at with the tribe. That might be the last of the tribe we talk for a while, man, because uh, until this investigation with the Mickey Calloway stuff pushes through, it's going to be a tough task to talk tribe because there's not a whole lot to be optimistic about. That's what this show's about. <sighs> Here's what's trending. Alrighty, what's trending on Padone My Take? We were talking about this a little bit last week. We discussed NBA Top Shot, which is like a brand new cryptocurrency, like Bitcoin, like CryptoPunk, a way of investing. You own these virtual cards. I'll do my best to explain this very briefly because we have Jack Settleman coming on the show who owns a $50,000 LeBron James moment that he paid for. You own a virtual moment. You own whether it be a player's dunk, whether it be an assist, a jump shot. Instead of owning the sports card where it's just a still image of the player, you own that highlight, that moment. These are called NFTs, which stand for non-fundable tokens. I've done a little bit of research on this. I've hopped on to the craze over the weekend after we talked about it on my show on Wednesday. Quickly realized though, among my friend group, amongst the people that I you know interact with on social media at Nick Padone 12, that a ton of people don't get this at all. Why buy a video? Why can't you just watch the highlight on YouTube? Is this going to be the end of free highlights? None of that. So as I was doing my research and as I was figuring out that this is something that I wanted to be involved in, it's a community that I enjoy being the NBA community. Obviously, it's a way to make a quick box, it seemed. I read a story about Jack Settleman, who owns fan-controlled football's Wild Aces, that new football league where the fans call the plays. He's the co-owner of a team, as well as a company called Snapback Sports, which is predominantly on Snapchat. 
but also, and more importantly for this segment, he owns a $50,000 LeBron James dunk moment on Top Shot. And when I read that, I was like, I got to get a hold of this guy. This is insane. He is a Top Shot guru. He's an early adapter. He knows about it. He's going to be able to explain it the craze behind it a lot better than I am. His portfolio on this website of trading virtual sports cards is valued at nearly $2 million on Top Shot alone. Joining me now on Padone My Take is a CEO, a co-owner, and most importantly, an NFT and Top Shot guru. Ladies and gentlemen, here he is, Jack Settleman. Alrighty, on the line, founder of Snapback Sports, co-owner of fan-controlled leagues, Wild Aces, and current NBA top shot legend, Jack Settlement, joins the program on BigPlay.com. Jack, thanks for joining us. So glad to have you on. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, definitely. So the first thing I want to jump into here is this NBA top shot craze. I know you were an early adopter of this trend talk to me about how you got involved what this is and how you're enjoying it thus far so snapback sports was built on social media it was built on digital i've been invested in some bitcoin and cryptocurrency for a few years now and when i saw the nba was licensing their product to uh dapper labs and nba top shot i was instantly at least interested so i checked it out honestly at first i didn't get it and then i i just left it alone for a couple months i came back i didn't really get it i saw some bigger sales starting to pop up uh at the end of november beginning of december and i was like all right i really need to dive in here and and try to get it and once i got it it really just clicked right away so i dove in met a ton of people in the discord a lot of smart people teach me all this stuff and just taking in a bunch of information and knowledge and after it clicked, because I came from a spot of owning a ton of physical cards, and I was like, this kind of solves for a lot of the issues that I've seen in that industry. And so I just really just took a lot of time, energy, um, put some money in, raised some money for my friends to buy the big LeBron moment, and uh, got very involved in NBA Top Shot. All right, cool. So we'll start here for all the people that I'm sure you've gotten this a thousand times. I've just been on in on this like this week and I've already gotten it a hundred times. So we'll just knock this out of the way right now. What stops somebody else from just going on YouTube and buying the highlight and trying to sell it that way? Yeah. So um, I've been fighting that for a couple months, obviously. And I actually finally, I think it clicked today for me when I put out a tweet and I said, the difference is no one will pay for your video and everyone will pay for mine. And that just comes down to digital ownership, NFTs, non-fungible tokens. It's this concept of owning and having the right to buy and sell that specific moment or clip or piece of digital art, wherever it may be in the ecosystem. And I think at the end of the day, all you have to answer to that question is no one's paying for your screen recording and everyone will pay for mine. And I think that kind of settles it. Yeah, definitely. That's probably the best way that I've heard it explained. You know, talking about just the money that this has generated really over the last month or so, you purchased that $50,000 LeBron James dunk that you were just talking about. Talk me through that day, making that purchase, how that came about, and I'm sure the adrenaline rush that ensued after. 
Yeah, so it was actually a few days process. And a lot of people know the issues that Top Shot has had with site maintenance, site goes down, people trying to get packs, all that stuff. But I locked in on it um, on like a Friday or something. And I messaged Pranksy, who's like the king of the NFT world. He's got massive portfolios all over the NFT world, specifically on Top Shot as well. And I was like, I want to buy the 23 from you. And he was like, all right, here's the price. And I was like, okay, I got to get this money onto Dapper because we're going to do it. So a lot of trading and, and purchases actually went off of Dapper early on, off of Top Shot because marketplace fee just wasn't like, we didn't feel the need to do it. But we knew that this was kind of going to be a big moment for the platform. So we wanted to do it on marketplace. So I had to get the money on. I had to send Bitcoin, which is obviously a stressful process because the Bitcoin leaves your account and you kind of are sending it to this, you know, 30 digit wallet address. Um, and Dapper at the time kept going down and up, down and up. So we just kind of were waiting because I didn't want to send obviously that amount of money at that point. Finally, everything seemed to be going well. I sent everything through. I made the purchase and, uh, it just kind of went wild from there. I mean, I asked my group who I invested with, do you want to be a part of it? A few of them were like, just because of work and I don't want to be, you know, public facing. So they're like, just be the, you know, be the public figure. Um, and so I just went on some guy's podcast, who's now a friend um, and talked about it. And then it just, I mean, it erupted. My name just was attached to that purchase, right? For the next few weeks. And now that purchase is looking like, you know, it's looking like peanuts to a lot of what we've seen since then. Yeah, I mean, and it's such a cool story of how this kind of is all coming together in this world of Bitcoin, you know, cryptocurrency. We've seen Dogecoin explode with like the meme stocks. Now NFTs like Top Shot definitely seem to be this new wave of investing. How confident are you that top, something like Top Shot is kind of here to stay? Yeah. So you just mentioned Dogecoin and you yeah. mentioned NFTs. So my bet is that NFTs will be the future. And I would bet every single dollar I have that that will be correct. So with Dogecoin, yeah, Dogecoin's fun, but it's just a meme stock. There's no backing for it. There's no utility. So I think that's important to kind of point out there. But when it comes to NFT world, the utility, the way it's going to change tech, the way it's going to change society, community, engagement, all that stuff, I bet my life on NFTs. And by saying that, because I was saying that for a little, I bought a CryptoPunk, which is the first ever NFT. So I wanted to be part of that movement. But Top Shot specifically, I think someone's going to win in that space. I like Top Shot's first mover advantage. I like that they're licensed with the league. I like that, you know, Roham and a lot of the people at Dapper are really, really intelligent people. I like that they built the Flow blockchain. And I'm probably saying a lot of stuff that doesn't mean much to a lot of casual listeners here. But I'm a huge believer in Top Shot because it's they have everyone on their side. Whereas sports betting, right, people lose money on that and you can't talk about it. And then you go to the top shot world, the NBA makes money, the PA makes money, the players are going to eventually get a cut and start making a lot of money. So everyone's kind of incentivized towards this one goal. And I think when you have everyone on your side, that's a really strong product.
Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with it all, too. Like, you think of it, you see some of these smaller players, you know, Josh Hart, Tyrese Halliburton, like, they're starting to get into it and come out and talk about it publicly. Like, we're still at a point in this, like, beta testing of Top Shot where there's no bona fide all-star, like, on the all-star roster this year that's even spoken about it. Am I right? Yeah, so we did a live stream for like 40,000 people that were waiting in line for packs and Top Shot embedded our stream into that page, which was super cool. And we got a bunch of the people from Top Shot on. And the rumor is that there's a Western Conference All-Star who just signed up. Um, My belief and my suspicions were that it was Rudy Gobert. So no offense to Gobert, still doesn't carry, right, like the cloud or or the impressions or viewership that maybe a LeBron Steph kd Kyrie might um and then a few eastern conference all-stars allegedly are going to sign up in the next couple weeks as well but yes the biggest names josh hart Lamelo quote tweeted uh a post about it which brought some attention but yes it hasn't reached you know superstar level it also hasn't reached uh nba culture and pop culture meaning like drake kanye uh, Odell Beckham, right? Like people are so locked in on the NBA and forget like what these big other names can do. You start to see uh, influencers or you start to see big media personalities buying crypto punks and what that attention brings to that specific NFT project. And you can only imagine once these become, I mean, you think about like Damian Lillard, he's, you know, close with Odell Beckham and Uh, If the NFL comes out with an NFT project, are they swapping moments? And, you know, does it become a new type of currency within a cryptocurrency? It's really all very interesting. Yeah, it's definitely interesting to think about. You know, I got into it just this week, like I said, and I kind of thought like, oh, I'm late to the craze. You know, I'm going to throw in 50 bucks and see what happens because it kind of seemed like it had boomed like the bottom of the barrel, like Ish Smith players were already up to 17 bucks. (laughs) But then like I see my 50 bucks like of Darius Garland and Dylan Brooks is actually like making me a few dollars. What's kind of your message to the people that might only have like 20, 50 bucks like me to throw in is are they too late to this party yeah everyone's very concerned with being too late i would imagine it feels a lot like when bitcoin went from 100 to 400 bucks and people are like oh you know this is done there's no way that it's going even if it does it's a you know 10 percent gain it's going up to 450 at the absolute max right um we're so early i mean it is incredibly early i posted on twitter actually uh yesterday NBA memes has an Instagram account, 4 million followers. They put up a story poll. Have you heard of NBA top chat? Not, do you like it? Not, are you on it? Not any of that. Have you heard of it? 70, uh, 74% said no heard of it. And this has been covered by bleacher ESPN, right? Like you can't miss this. If you're on Twitter, Instagram world, 4 million NBA fans, obviously the poll doesn't encapsulate, you know, every single one of them, but three quarters of them haven't even heard of the platform and they follow an NBA page. So, Are you too late? Absolutely not. What do you do with 50 bucks? I think what's really cool is Top Shot recognized, right? The Ishmis and the Plumleys and the people to get you in. Like if you're just have 50 bucks and want to get acquainted with the platform, you don't want to buy a Smith for 20 bucks, right? You want to have LeBron, you want to have Luca, you want to have Katie, et cetera. Definitely. So they put out recently uh, a pre-order pack. So anyone who wanted to could sign up and they could get a $9 pack which is going to flood the market a bit. 
but that's going to make it more available, in my opinion, to get, you know, hopefully a Kawhi for eight bucks or hopefully a Steph for six bucks. And, you know, it won't be as scarce. It won't be as rare as the top moments, which I think will hold their values. But I do think at least now new people will be able to come in and test the platform, play around and, and really fall in love. Yeah, most definitely. So speaking of falling in love here, we thought football season was over, especially in Cleveland. You know, you're on a Cleveland-based show <laughs> right now. You're the co-owner of the Fan Control Football's Wild Aces. Now, the FCF is no stranger to having some Cleveland athletes in it. They now employ Johnny Manziel, Josh Gordon. I know those guys play for the Zappers. You own the Wild Aces. What? Come on, give me some intel here. What former Cleveland Browns burnout are you guys kind of targeting for the Wild Aces? <laughs> So we played the Zappers on Saturday. We were down 22 to eight. They're 0 and 2. We're 1 and 1. Uh, we make a, a major comeback, score with five seconds left. And then the Zappers win on a Hail Mary in the last yep. play of the game. And I couldn't believe it. Um, I don't know if we're ta- targeting any ex Browns. If I had to come up with any, so I'm a Ravens fan. You can okay. see Lamar Jackson over my right shoulder there. I'm trying to think. Ooh, what about Terrell Pryor? He was a he was a Brown for a little, right? Yeah, there you go. He yeah, could a, a, he could be a really fun uh, FCF player because it's a seven on seven field or seven on seven game, only fifty yard field, um, and he's an electric athlete. I would love to see him on the Wild Aces next season. Yeah, definitely. Even you could put him, you know, just kind of under center, do a little wildcat action with Terrell Pryor for quarterback days at Ohio State. Uh, another name for you to keep an eye on Trent Richardson. He's popped yep. around. You could even hire Mike Pettin as your head coach <laughs> and, you know, just kind of recreate that 2010s Browns. You guys have a bright future right now. So it's, uh, it's fun to watch from a Ravens fan. I mean, you're still our little brothers as like, even we could come into Cleveland and take care of you, even missing Lamar Jackson for 12 minutes in the most pivotal part of the game. But uh, you are, you know, you're building in the right direction. You, you uh, are, right. you want a playoff right. game. I'm proud of you guys. Um, it's exciting to see. All right. Yeah. Come on. Come on. All right. Let's pivot to this. If you could own any athletes, top shot moment in any sport, you just mentioned you're a Ravens fan, a Lamar fan. What moment would you own and why? Yeah, it's Lamar. It's pretty simple. Only because not only is he my current favorite player right now, and I think that stuff changes, right? Like I love Flacco, loved Ray Lewis, loved Ed Reed, but he's the most electric. Like I don't care what anyone says. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is amazing. He's better than Lamar Jackson. Sure. No one's more fun to watch than Lamar Jackson. I really, I genuinely believe that. Um, so the moment specifically is obviously the run against the Bengals, which even as a Browns fan, I think we can, we can team team up on the true little bros. Which oh, are most definitely. Right <laughs> yeah. Okay. So mine, I would have to say I'm sticking with you. I'm sticking with recent and I'm going to go with the Baker Mayfield two point conversion in the first game against the jets, where he catches the pass from Landry in the end zone at first energy stadium to kind of snap that horrible loss streak that the Browns were going through. I think that'd probably be my moment, even though those things kind of interchange, you know, Obviously, we would love to have like the Kyrie step back shot over Mm -hmm. Golden State or the LeBron block or Kevin Love clamping up Steph. But just recently, you know, it's a Brownstown. I'm also excited, like you said, to see if the NFL kind of taps in and steals this idea and gets into the world of their own, because I think there's a lot of money to be made here. 
and shouts to that moment because that would be a rookie moment, which would get a badge, uh, which is really cool, right? The Kyrie, LeBron, any of those basketball moments wouldn't, which I think is what would make that Baker moment pretty cool. So that's a good call out. All right, cool. Definitely glad to hear that I got your stamp of approval on my moment. Jack, I appreciate you briefly joining the show. Whole lot of fun talking about the NBA, fan-controlled football, all that stuff. You're up to a ton. Tell everybody where they could keep in touch, check on all the great stuff that you guys are doing. Go ahead and plug all your stuff, my friend. Yeah, the biggest thing actually that I'll plug is I'm playing in a House of Highlights showdown this weekend on Friday night. It's a game. And, and seriously, I, I think this is the craziest thing ever. That's why I'm giving you the, the plug here. $100,000 first prize if I win the event. And I'm like, I just think it's so funny because who plays a game of knockout for a hundred grand, but you can find me at Jack Settleman on most platforms and then follow us on social snapback sports on Snapchat. It's probably the best uh, sports account you'll ever find. It replaced sports center. It's a great account. So yes. And, and I would love to connect. Even if you're a Browns fan, I have a lot of friends. My brother goes to Ohio state. So I know what's going on in, in Cleveland. Yeah, there we go. And, you know, even though you guys are big brother, sure, whatever you want to say it for now, you guys really are the old Browns. So you owe us a thank you as well. Jack, thanks so much for joining us. Ladies and gentlemen, Jack Settleman. Fantastic stuff out of him talking some nba top shot talking some fan controlled football some former cleveland brown stuff huge thanks to jack make sure to give him a follow on twitter at jack settlement what a segment that's all the top shot we're going to talk tonight jack settlement was presented by my friends over at dugout mugs baseball is back that means there's only one thing left to do you know what you need to do folks order your dugout mugs so they get here in time for opening day these are real handcrafted baseball bats with the barrel hollowed out and engraved with your favorite team's logo right on the front this makes for the perfect beer mug to kick back and watch some baseball all summer long it's a must-have item for every baseball fan that's eager to have their favorite sport underway this spring i don't know how much tribe we're gonna talk on this program this summer but i'm excited to see them back in action with fans in the stands at the corner of carnegie and ontario i know you are too for my clevelanders we're in the same boat visit dugoutmugs.com slash big play to view their entire Cleveland Indians collection today. I am in the dugout and you should be too with dugout mugs. Again, that link is dugoutmugs.com slash big play to join and check out. We got to talk some Cleveland Browns. They missed out on JJ Watt, but all is not lost. It's time for our Cleveland Browns offseason watch. Alrighty, the Browns did not land J.J. Watt via free agency. He signed with the Arizona Cardinals. Who saw that coming? After Peloton watch, after the cryptic tweets, mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. 
All that kind of for nothing. Bought the Arizona two-year contract around $28 million before the incentives kick in, about 31 in total with those incentives. Who cares? I, I know we were so pumped up about the possibility of getting J.J. Watt on the Browns the last two weeks on this program. If you want to listen to me being wrong about that, for free, on demand, Padome My Take, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Listen, Mary Kay Cabot of Cleveland.com reported that the Browns were not the highest bidder. Watt made a, a cash move here. As bad as we all thought, myself included, that J.J. Watt was going to make a legacy move and that he was going to go to a Green Bay where he's from, a Buffalo who looks stacked and just played in an AFC championship game, a, a team like the Browns that took the Chiefs all the way to the final drive of the game in the AFC divisional round. That's kind of what I thought we would see J.J. Watt do to get a team with some cash like Cleveland with a quarterback with a solid defensive unit built already so that he could just go in and get a Super Bowl ring before this is all said and done, even if that meant taking a little bit of a pay cut, not getting that $17 million that he was owed when he was released from the Houston Texans, he didn't make a legacy move here. And to be honest, I was so wrong in thinking that he needed to. J.J. Watt's career as a Houston Texan, even though none of the season ended with the Super Bowl ring at the end of them, he's a great player. And his work off the field makes him even more of a notable name. You know, he wears the Walter Payton Man of the Year patch in every game because he won that for his efforts in helping Houston with hurricane relief and floods, you name it, J.J. Watt has helped with it. I can't be that disappointed that he didn't want to come to Cleveland because according to Mary Kay Cabot, who we have you know every reason to trust in this town, the Browns just didn't give enough guaranteed dough in this signing, and ultimately that's what led to Watt going to Arizona. It's a warmer place. It's easier to preserve your body in Arizona. I can't be that disappointed about it. But with that said, the Browns can now kind of focus up, right? They could get a little bit realistic now that J.J. Watt, that dog and pony show is just off the table. We know that we're not landing J.J. Watt. But let's focus in. Let's talk about realistic targets for the Browns. I've comprised a list as well as some of the things that we've heard. We have heard leading up to this that if the Browns miss out on J.J. Watt, kind of three names that have been reported on, Levante David, linebacker from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Brashad Perryman, wide receiver, former Cleveland Brown, former Baltimore Raven. We're pretty familiar with him. Uh, reunite could be in the works there. As well as Richard Sherman, that was kind of rumored for a little bit. As well as Von Miller, which I don't really... We'll start there. I'm out on Von Miller. He, he has some off-the-field stuff that's surrounding him right now. But even more so, he had kind of a gruesome injury. He's up there in age. Obviously, the pros to signing him are there. You already have Miles Garrett. So you wouldn't need Von Miller to be that dude to play every snap. That's the good news. But the even better news is, you know, there's somebody else that you could get for cheaper that doesn't carry those expectations and that hype. And I know Von Miller is close with Odell Beckham. He's close with Baker. He's close with Miles. What about Carl Lawson, huh? The guy that after, after JJ signed in Arizona, Carl Lawson tweeted, hey, 
with a wave emoji. That's a guy that I would look for somebody like Andrew Barry that takes a little bit of a smarter, more analytical approach to things. That's the kind of player that I would hope that Andrew Barry is after. A guy that's 25 years old, that spent his entire career thus far on a, on a bad rebuilding team with the Cincinnati Bengals. I would love Carl Lawson, you know, even if it ta- it's a two-year, three-year deal is what it takes with a little bit more money than what Browns fans are comfortable with. I'd be very happy with that. That's a name that I'm watching, as well as the New Orleans Saints. They've got a lot going on. Obviously, their cap situation isn't good. I can tip my cap to their GM, though, who's making like three moves already to just lower that number. They released Jared Cook today. That's something to keep an eye on. We're going to talk about Jared Cook in a moment. And no, I'm not talking about adding him to the Browns. You don't want to miss the take that I'm going to have on Jared Cook and how he could help the Browns. They've released another tight end. They released an offensive tackle. How about this name? Defensive end, Trey Hendrickson. I think he's a better option than, you know, Von Miller. Also, a better option than Bud Dupree. That's a name that people were probably expecting me to say on this target list. I'm not that in on Dupree. Are you? And who do you want the Browns to sign? More importantly, drop a comment on Periscope. On demand, of course. Tweet the show at Padone My Take. Tweet me at Nick Padone 12 I think Bud Dupree feasted off having two of the greatest interior defensive tackles in the league with you know lining up next to Stefan to it you or I watching this show hosting this show we could have had 10 sacks with the Steelers defensive line p- playing opposite book and TJ Watt who is a great talent himself I'm cool on Bud Dupree, especially coming off an ACL surgery. Now, if the money's right, and I'm going to trust Andrew Barry this offseason, if he signs Bud Dupree to a one-year $6 million, a two-year $12 million, I'm not going to be mad about it because that means that his staff you know, did their homework, they talked to him, they feel as if he's healthy and that he is good enough even without elite defensive tackle pass rushers Sheldon Richardson and Andrew Billings who probably is getting the start next year that they could bring in Bud Dupree I'd rather Trey Hendrickson I think he's a little bit better I think the Saints interior defensive tackles are a little bit worse and we would ultimately get a little bit more production out of him Levante David we mentioned him already that's somebody that I'd be key on just won a Super Bowl Obviously, he's the type of linebacker that Browns fans are clamoring for because he covers the field all over the place, but it doesn't come without red flags. He's up there in age a little bit. Something to be concerned about. Not sure. Another name here, Kyle Van Noy. He was just released by the Miami Dolphins yesterday. He had a huge contract. For Levante David and Kyle Van Noy, I will tell you this as like a, you know, not like a thesaurus of how the Browns are going to do things. Don't expect them to pay Kyle Van Noy, Levante David, or any other linebacker top dollar this offseason. If that was the Browns' beliefs, they would have just done that with Joe Schobert and Christian Kirksey. They would have drafted a linebacker before Jacob Phillips in, what, round three or four last draft. That's just not the way that this team operates. That's not a position that they value, especially with Joe Woods as a former you know defensive back coach. They're thinking if you could get a couple shutdown corners, some really good safeties, the linebackers are kind of rendered useless. I would love Levante David in Cleveland. I would love Kyle Van Noy in Cleveland. However, if the price ain't right, that's just realistically not something 
that I could see the Browns doing. I hate to be that guy. That's just what I believe to be the fact at this moment. Obviously, guys, how about this? The league year opens March 17th. These signings are going to happen, you know, fast and furious. Another target for the Browns before we keep talking defense. I think this is imperative. I don't even have this on my list that I have written down in front of me is Rashard Higgins. I think that's huge. I think the Browns have to find a way to bring back Hollywood Higgins. I don't know how much he's going to want. He said on 850 ESPN Cleveland that he wants, you know, Andrew Barry to send the paper, tell him where to sign. He'll sign it. I'm curious to see if he means that or does he want some, you know, fair payments as well. That's going to be an interesting situation that Bear is monitoring because we know the value that Hollywood brings. As fans, we've been pounding our fists, play Hollywood. Stefanski listened. He played Hollywood. The chemistry with Baker is indescribable. I think you got to bring back Hollywood, even if it means not getting a free agent wide receiver. You know, even if it means leaving Brashad Perriman in the dust, who is reportedly that's a possibility. Even if it means leaving Marvin Jones Jr. in the dust, which that's a name that leading up to this point, you know, in, in the trade deadline last season, Marvin Jones Jr. in Cleveland has had some connects over the years, especially with Andrew Barry in town. That's something that might not happen with Hollywood Higgins. I think Hollywood is more valuable than any of those guys. I think you got to find a way there. Let's get back to the defense. Um, this is a little disappointing and because the Browns need secondary help. Obviously, the only two guys that are coming back, in my opinion, if you differ, as always, tweet me at NickPadone12. Tweet the show at PadoneMyTake. Drop a comment. Denzel Ward, Ronnie Harrison, those are really the only two guys that I could count on to be week one starters next year. Greedy Williams has nerve damage. Those nerves don't just grow back, unfortunately. That's not how that works. Grant Delpit is coming off a ruptured Achilles. We've seen how that's affected athletes in you know years past. I'm nervous for the Browns secondary. Bad news is, though, there's not a whole lot of other options. Richard Sherman is an option that I would like them to consider, kind of reunite him with Joe Woods and see if that's plausible. Again, price pending. If Richard Sherman is trying to cash out like J.J. Watt, that's not something that I'd consider. Brian Poole, who is a cornerback for the New York Jets, is another name to maybe look out for. I just think that he's young enough, he's good enough. If Greedy literally can't be a starting corner in the NFL anymore, I would take a look at Brian Poole. I could see the value there. Browns need secondary help bad. I do have a trade idea, though. This is what I was going to float in front of you before we move on and wrap up our show here tonight a Najoku trade and this is something that's aggravated me I see everybody on Twitter clamoring for Kyle Rudolph the Vikings released him he would like to reunite with Kevin Stefanski Kyle Rudolph I'm flattered I'm truly am that you want to join the Cleveland Browns you've had a hell of a career in Minnesota you want to reunite with Kevin Stefanski win that Super Bowl ring in Cleveland had some great playoff moments in Minnesota as well did Kyle Rudolph I'm good sorry Kyle 
We have David Njoku in town. The Browns picked up his fifth-year option. Whether you mean, you know, you're led to believe that that means that they're going to use that fifth-year option as something that's easier to trade Njoku, whether you think Steven Carlson is the future tight end three of the Browns, you know, obviously Steven Carlson, Austin Hooper, this new regime has invested a lot in them as well. I just think at this point, David Njoku is a much better option than Kyle Rudolph. With that said, though, the New Orleans Saints today cut Jared Cook, who's one of the best tight ends in the league when he's healthy. The the Jared Cook replacement, big, tall, athletic, could run, end zone threat, David Njoku. You send David Njoku with a mid-round pick, over to the New Orleans Saints for Marshawn Lattimore, and now you got your starting two cornerbacks for week one. You have Denzel Ward and Marshawn Lattimore. You've recreated the Ohio State Buckeyes secondary. Add Ronnie Harrison into that mix. Sprinkle in, you know, a free safety room of Grant Delpit, Sheldrick Redwine, Paris Ford in the draft even. Now we've got a defense that could hang with the Kansas City Chiefs. That'd be something that I would like the Browns to do because that alleviates a big, that's just a lot of weight off the Browns' shoulders is finding this replacement DB for Greedy Williams, Terrence Mitchell, who's a free agent. That's a question mark. That's all the Browns' off-season watch that we're going to do for today. New segment, we'll be watching the Browns' off-season all throughout. Free agency opens March 17th. We got to talk some Cavs, though. Our Cavs are on a four-game win streak, looking to make it five tonight against the Indiana Pacers. I believe they're up heading into the fourth quarter as we record this tonight. About three and a half games out of the eighth seed. To tank or not to tank? That is the question. What do you want the Cavs to do? I'll pose that question out there. Tweet me at NickPadone12. Tweet the show at PadoneMyTake. Do you want to see the Cavs tank? Do you want to see the Cavs make a dash for the eighth seed? I say sit back and see where this stretch of games takes you. Obviously, if you tank, the reward could be big. Kuminga, who is in the G League already, could be number one, number two overall pick. He's very good. Cade Cunningham at Oklahoma State. We're about to remember the name. You know, March Madness coming up around the corner in a few weeks. He is very good. Will be the number one or number two pick. The payoff for tanking is there as it always is, but the risk is always there as well. What if you get the fifth pick like the Cavs have gotten the past two years? The fourth pick even. The sixth pick. See where this stretch of games takes you and kind of reevaluate what you want to do, especially because the Cavs aren't getting Kevin Love, Larry Nance back at any time in the immediate future. That's going to be something that happens post-All-Star break, I think. Up next, you got the Pacers, the Pelicans, the Heat, the Celtics, the Spurs, the Raptors, the Kings, and the Bulls. Eight games there. Of those eight, I would say five are winnable. Pacers tonight, hopefully a win. Pelicans, you could hang in with a team like the Pelicans now if you play your best. Heat, I don't know. Spurs, I don't know. Celtics, I don't know. Raptors, Kings, Bulls, that's winning five of eight after you've already won four straight impressive if that happens and if you're able to beat up on some of those bad teams like the bulls like the kings like the pacers tonight like the pelicans then i say go for it 
make the dash towards the postseason. This is a very integral eight-game stretch for the Cleveland Cavs as it pertains to the rest of their season. However, if you're getting pummeled by the Bulls, who aren't good at all, by the Kings, who outside of De'Aaron Fox, I'm not really sure what they've got going on in Sacramento. If you start losing those games, maybe then it's time to take the rose-colored glasses off and be like, look, let's play for ping-pong balls again. Even if we don't get Cade Cunningham or Kaminga, maybe we could get Evan Mosley or whatever his name is, the big, tall seven-footer out of USC to pair with Jared Allen. Who knows what happens at that point? But that's where I'm at. I think for the Cavs, and I know this is such a lame take to say, but this is genuinely how I feel. You can't play the rebuild game t- forever. So you can't try to throw tonight's game against the Pacers. You can't lose to New Orleans because only bad things are going to happen with that because you can't just keep doing this. That's the recipe for getting the fifth pick for the rest of the time and being stuck in the middle. Instead, maybe make a dash for the eighth seed. You know, see if Colin Sexton, Darius Garland, Okoro could win a few games in this playoff tourney that the NBA is going to do. That's a whole different dynamic, too. Ten teams are going to get into a playoff tournament. I think that's valuable experience for a young team like the Cavs that have some pieces, that have some assets to be futures of the franchise with Garland, with Sexton, with Okoro, with Jared Allen now. I think you get those guys into the postseason and get them that experience. That's first and foremost. That's the most important thing. And then hit a draft pick. You know, it's not easy, but it has to be done at some point. You're going to have to draft well in, you know, the 10 to 15 range. That's what all the good teams are doing at this point. That's what the Jazz have done. It's what the Heat have done. That's what the Cavs are going to need to do. Go Cavs, make them playoffs. Thanks everybody for hanging out. What a fantastic hour. Huge thanks to the Big Play Store. Padone My Take merchandise is out now. Get a Padone My Take logo t-shirt today. Visit the Big Play Store and use promo code Padone. That's my last name, Padone, for 15% off at Big Play. Big thanks to Dugout Mugs as well. Get a Cleveland Indians bat mug dugoutmugs.com slash big play is the link to do that while you guys are listening make sure to go subscribe apple podcasts spotify we had a fantastic chat tonight with jack settleman ceo of snapback sports owner of a fifty thousand dollar nba top shot moment we've had some awesome interviews in the history of this show and i don't plan on slowing down on that front make sure to go subscribe that's the only way to get all the interviews for free in one place apple pod spotify wherever you get your podcasts put on my take is there next wednesday night same bat time same bat channel we're going to do this all again go live your life go have some fun while doing so do so safely seems like we're at the end, there's a light of the at the end of the tunnel in this pandemic. It's getting warmer in Cleveland, Ohio as well. Stay safe, everybody. Love you guys so much. Goodbye.